Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, you know when you think you really know something that you've learned in school, like the Whiskey Rebellion, but then you realize what you know about it could really only fill a thimble. That's kind of how I feel about Juneteenth. So we're turning to Samuel Black, the director of African-American programs at the Heinz History Center, to talk about the cultural importance of Juneteenth and Pittsburgh's abolitionist roots. It's Thursday, June 16th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. I've celebrated Juneteenth for as long as I can remember, but there's a lot about the holiday and the events leading up to the full emancipation of Black Americans that I just feel like I had no clue about. So is it safe to say that Juneteenth is celebrated as the end of slavery in the United States? Uh, Juneteenth did not end slavery in America. Uh, Juneteenth is a recognition of the emancipation of enslaved people in Texas. Uh, slavery still existed for another three years uh, in some parts of the United States. So the thing that I always say about Juneteenth and any other federal law is that it's only as strong as the government's ability to enforce it. What was happening here in Pittsburgh at that time? Because the process to end slavery had been started during the revolution, so way before the emancipation in 1863. So were African-Americans living free here from then on? Again, that did not end slavery, but its intentions was that it would gradually eliminate slavery in Pennsylvania. However, if you lived long enough, you could still be enslaved legally in Pennsylvania when the Civil War started. Most people think, you know, because we're in the North, slavery did not exist. Uh, But in Pennsylvania, the law basically stated that if you were born before March 1st, 1780, then legally you could be enslaved for the rest of your life. Hmm. If you bore any children born on uh, March 1st or after, you had to register them with the state of Pennsylvania in their indenture system. So they will be indentured for 28 years. Yeah. So you can imagine your first 28 years of life, you're owned by someone else. And that was the law in Pennsylvania. Now people got all around the law, uh, slaveholders uh, in Pennsylvania. How are the slave owners finding loopholes in the law? So there were instances where people would take their pregnant slave women Mm -hmm. to Virginia because that way they they could give birth in Virginia and not give birth in Pennsylvania and come under this indenture law. Yeah. So the whole thing with chattel slavery in America is that you own human beings from the time they were born to the time they die. So this was not lost on slaveholders in Pennsylvania. So right before the Civil War, around the Civil War, this is almost 80 years after the uh, Gradual Abolition Act here. So at that point, what was life like for Black people in what is now Pittsburgh? Yeah, if you can imagine you're in the poor class, you're not a landholder, 
that was something that there were very few black landholders. Where where were black people at that time, like kind of setting up and, and establishing Well, most life? people lived, lived down to what is today downtown Pittsburgh. Okay. You didn't have in, in, let's say in the 1820s or going back to the time of the gradual abolition, like 1780s, you know, places like Homewood, the East End, that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. That was just wilderness. Yeah. And so when I you said before, Pittsburgh was a small village and comprised primarily of downtown. And then you had farms in other places. McKeesport, John McKee was, ran a um, ferry across the rivers there, mm-hmm. but also raised cattle and owned slaves. You had General O'Hare, who was one of the major landholders. Uh, we know that the, the large city park, Shenley Park, was part of his estate. Yeah. And O'Hare Township's name for him. Mm-hmm. But for black people, you were still on the bottom of the economic totem pole here. So you're talking about a time when um, the population here was so small. How were black people getting up to Pittsburgh? A lot at that time, a lot of black folk came from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is this is the power of uh, Virginia. A lot of them were the children of their slave masters and were freed and sent to either Western Pennsylvania or the Northwest Territory because of river traffic and so forth. There was, um, you know, transport from one place to another. You had a small contingent of people, we call them freedom seekers, Mm -hmm. who settled in Western Pennsylvania, not necessarily in Pittsburgh, but in other parts of Allegheny County. Uh, They settled in Washington County as well. And these are places where like safe houses were? Uh, Not necessarily safe houses, but um, uh, at that time, although you were a runaway and your slave master definitely wanted to recapture you, and that's where you get all these reward postings and mm-hmm. things like that. But people became much more sophisticated because if there's a reward poster, it usually had a description, a physical description, what you look like. So people began to change their physical description. Uh, it had clothes that you may have been wearing. Uh, it wasn't as easy as you can just go into a department store and buy new clothes and things like that. So when you're the poorest of the poor, you wore what you could wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the poorest of the poor would be these freedom seekers. And many of them, Western Pennsylvania was not a destination for them. It was not like they got here and they stopped. Their thing was to make it to the Northwest Territory. Mm. Although slave catchers would follow them into that territory. But it was a lot easier to uh, maintain your new found freedom in the Northwest Territory than it was in Western Pennsylvania. 
Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. And by the Civil War and Lincoln's Emancipation? That's a different dynamic because by 1863, Pennsylvania is pretty much a, a free state. Most of the historic record declares that by the time of the Civil War, there were no longer any enslaved people in Pennsylvania. I have found that, contrary to that, there were some that I found in Pittsburgh. Because the thing was with the Gradual Abolition Act is that if you live beyond 80 years, mm -hmm. you could still be enslaved. So if you was one of those unlucky people born in 1779 and you lived and you were still alive in 1863, legally you could still be enslaved in Pennsylvania. I can't even imagine. By 1863, you've already gone through a whole decade of 1850s, which to me was sort of this transition decade. It's like the civil rights movement. Mm. You know, things didn't start with the March on Washington in 1963. Right. You had this precursor of things like Brown versus Board of Education and all these other uh, civil rights um, occasions and incidents uh, leading up to the events of the 60s. The same thing in, in the 1850s. Because the Fugitive Slave Act was passed in September 1850, that was where you get a tremendous reaction from people in Western Pennsylvania and especially in Pittsburgh. By now, Pittsburgh has really been established as a major American city, still sort of on the frontier, but it was sort of the connection between East and West. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh was sort of con still considered the West at that time, uh, but it was really the connection between East and West. And what you begin to see is now you have a larger black community in the 1860s, uh, Allegheny County having close to 5,000 um, people of African descent, Pittsburgh about half of that. And so there's a different power dynamic that's taking place. And so the reaction to the Future Slave Act, because you had already established in that decade the resistance to slavery, not just people who were activists, but people who were active in doing rescues. So Pittsburgh being this transit place that if you were traveling, let's say from Arkansas to Washington, D.C., 
you had to go to Pittsburgh because river travel was the main form of travel. Railroads were around, but railroad lines weren't always connecting everywhere. Yeah. So the rivers are there and been there for thousands of years, right? So take advantage of them. Hmm. So you would travel up the Mississippi, up the Ohio to Pittsburgh. Then you could get train travel uh, or riverboat travel to Washington, D.C. And many of these people from the South had their slaves with them, one or two. And when they got to Pittsburgh, this was abolitionist territory. And so the approach would be, are you a slave? Do you wish to be free? Hmm. And if they said yes to both of those questions, the vigilance committee here went into action. And so you had numerous occasions of slaveholders coming to Pittsburgh and overnight losing their slave. That's what they get. You know, <laughs> yeah. And so Pittsburgh had that type of dynamic and it became a, had a reputation as a dangerous place for slavery because you would lose, as they say then, lose your property, mm -hmm. you know, in Pittsburgh. And the authorities would not risk their lives trying to recover your property, you know. So those things, you know, you just kind of sacrificed. So that's the type of desperation but determination that Pittsburghers had and the Pittsburgh abolitionist community had uh, for freedom. Well, so let's bring that into today. This weekend is Juneteenth weekend. It's a national holiday now. What does that mean to you, you know, as someone who has dedicated his whole career to sharing stories like this? Is, is that important, like, to you, to Pittsburgh? It's a cultural observance and one that... Based on where you live regionally, there's different interpretations of it. Yeah. Um, in Texas, it's a totally different thing. It's part of African-American history. It's mm -hmm. part of American history. You know. Did that mean anything here in Pennsylvania, though? Yeah. You know, see, although they didn't have the Internet back then yeah. or anything <laughs> like that, there was still communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, going on. There was always communication. There was always river traffic. People was always telling you what's going on here and there. By the 1860s, there were a number of black newspapers that were published and, and you know, distributed all over the country and so forth. Uh, so it was not like it was, it was, there was, you know, unknowledgeable about these things, these events uh, taking place. And that Pittsburghers knew and understood the whole thing. Yeah. And for people today, that's the main reason. Whether you believe it or not, we have freedom, but it's not in concrete. You know, we saw what right. happened January 6th. Right. You know, that, th that just physical threat to our democracy also means there's a threat to your freedom. Mm-hmm. And so we can't take it for granted. So I think that Juneteenth kind of reinforces that. It's not just a big party and celebration, but it's a time to reflect on who we are and what freedom really means in this country. Sam Black is the director of African-American programs at the Heinz History Center here in the Strip. Thank you so much for the visit today, Sam, and for making sure we've got our history straight. Sure, you're welcome.
And before you go, there's a bunch of ways to commemorate Juneteenth. It's on Sunday, but celebrations are happening the rest of the weekend. You can stop by the Allegheny River Trail Park for food, music, and art all weekend. The event kicks off on Friday with a dance class from Afro Love Pittsburgh. Catch more live music at Western PA Juneteenth Homecoming Celebration at Point State Park and Market Square. There'll be speakers, kids' activities, and some big-name performers all weekend long. You can meet today's guest, Sam Black, for yourself on Saturday at Heinz History Center. He's offering a guided tour called The African-American Impact on Western PA. On Sunday, there's a Juneteenth all-white boat party starring DJ Spinderella. She's from salt and Pepper. if you don't remember that from the 90s. It makes me feel old. Or if you're more comfortable on wheels than you are on water, there's a Freedom Skate at Shenley Park Skating Rink on Sunday night. But sorry, kids, you got to be 21 or over to join. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Megan Harris is our lead producer. Our newsletter editor is Francesca DeBecco. Mallory Falk produces the show. Our host, of course, is me, Morgan Moody. And music is by Benji. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back on Tuesday with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. love that place. I can't say enough good things about it. (laughs) Best Pepsi in the city.